WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. No one is hurt after a house was shot up in St. Joseph this morning. The St. Joe Department of Public Safety says officers responded to a call of shots fired in the 2600 block of South State Street about 3.45 a.m. They found three people in the home and none were hurt. Through an investigation, police identified a person of interest. The 23-year-old Benton Township man was taken into custody at a home in the 2200 block of Marquette Woods Road in Lincoln Township. St. Joseph Public Safety Director Steve Newbecker told us that the police had to wait outside the home for a while as they obtained a search warrant. Once they had it, the suspect was arrested. Newbecker says reports of a standoff at the location are a bit overstated. Assisting in the shooting investigation were the Lincoln Township Police Department, the Berrien County Sheriff's Department, the St. Joseph Township Police Department, and the Benton Township Police Department. And police say the shooting was the result of a personal dispute. The Michigan House Energy Reliability, Resilience, and Accountability Task Force has held a meeting in Benton Harbor to talk with Southwest Michigan residents about energy policy and the electric grid. State Representative Joey Andrews hosted the meeting at Lake Michigan College today. The task force was formed this year in response to lengthy power outages in southeast Michigan. Speaking today, Andrew Graber with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers said keeping the lights on and reducing the length of outages will require more line workers. He said the state's been losing many. There is a huge knowledge loss just from a loss of retention. And a lot of that is in terms of the pay and people not staying here in Michigan. We are training, we're paying, and then they're leaving. That is a huge aspect for keeping power reliability in our state. Victoria Stewart with the Michigan League of Conservation Voters pushed for new legislation that she said would give the state more power to address the issue. This legislation expands the Michigan Public Service Commission's authority to better regulate utility companies, enabling the MPSC to direct energy providers to improve the grid and overall reliability. Speakers voiced their support for nuclear and solar energy. One said it's critical for Indiana-Michigan Power to have a plan for the eventual closure of the Cook nuclear power plant, although that is still decades away. Indiana Michigan Power COO Steve Baker said the company is responding to climate change by seeking net zero emissions by 2035 and that nuclear will be key to making that possible. The task force will hold one more meeting in Pleasant Ridge before it puts together a bipartisan bill package. State Representative Pauline Wenzel said its meetings have been a, quote, great first step. Meanwhile, State Representative Joey Andrews is kicking off a listening tour on the topic of short-term rental housing. The hot-button issue has been big in communities along the Lake Michigan shoreline for years as cities consider the proper limits for those vacation homes. Andrew says his short-term rental listening tour starts Tuesday at the South Haven Memorial Library at 1 p.m. Anyone can come by and offer their thoughts. Andrew says he's focused on collaboratively addressing concerns and finding solutions to make the most sense for the community. He adds, quote, your voice matters, so let's shape the future of lakeshore living together. Berrien County is seeking a grant from the state to allow for early voting in some elections. Speaking to the Berrien County Board of Commissioners this week, Clerk Sharon Tyler said the grant opportunity has arisen through the Michigan Department of State and the Michigan Bureau of Elections as a result of Proposal 2 being approved by voters last year. Tyler said under the new law, voters have to be given at least nine days prior to Election Day to cast their ballot. The grant would cover the cost of offering that opportunity. The presentation which I have prepared for the local clerks has only been for state and federal. I am not going for schools or local municipality millages because there's a lot of work required. 
Tyler said the grant pays for equipment, staff, training, and more. We are looking at 52 election workers spread between two sites. So I'm looking at 44 poll workers, and that would be 22 at each election site. There would be eight on the receiving board, and so there'd be four at each site, one in South County, one in North County. Tyler estimated the total cost to be about $240,000. She's looking to offer the early voting for next year's presidential primary, the general primary, and the November election. She told commissioners time is short to apply for the grant because the deadline is September 8th. The board approved the grant application. Tyler said moving forward, the county will have to look at other grants or donations to continue early voting each year unless the state comes through with regular funding. The Berrien County Road Department is advising drivers that part of Sawyer Road and Chickaming Township will be closed this weekend. That's while repaving takes place. Sawyer Road will be closed to eastbound traffic between Three Oaks Road and the CSX Railroad tracks. The intersections of Sawyer Road will be temporarily closed between Red Arrow Highway and Three Oaks Road when that segment is resurfaced. Paving operations are expected to occur between 6.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. or until the work's finished. Once the paving's finished tomorrow, traffic will be reopened in both directions. The work involves asphalt paving, drainage, and structure improvements. Michigan could be going back to the future, bringing back specialty retro license plates that were issued from the 1980s through the early 2000s. State Senator Mallory McMorrow of Royal Oak has reintroduced legislation that would allow the Secretary of State to reissue those blue and black plates. It would also help bring in more money to fix Michigan roads. It would be a $100 fee uh, for either of these two plates, and it would go right into the state transportation fund. So unlike some of the other uh, kind of fundraising license plates, this is specifically to help our infrastructure in a creative way to get some more revenue without raising taxes. McMorrow says similar legislation was approved in California a few years ago to bring back a nostalgic 1960s-style black plate with gold lettering. It was a staple during the muscle car era. She says that's brought in millions of dollars. And Congressman Tim Wahlberg will be in Berrien County on Wednesday to highlight the burden that inflation has placed on drivers. He'll stop at a gas station that has yet to be identified while the gas station offers customers a break. Wahlberg's office says it's going to sell gas for $2.38 a gallon to represent how things were before the inflation rose. Americans for Prosperity of Michigan is partnering with the gas station to offer the deal. Wahlberg will talk with drivers and promote his Choice in Automobile Retail Sales, or CARS Act, which he says would reduce the red tape that's made vehicles more expensive. It would block the EPA from implementing stricter emission standards. His office will release which gas station they'll be at next week. WSJM and News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. All 19 co-defendants in the Georgia election racketeering case have met the midday Friday deadline set by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis to turn themselves in. ABC News national correspondent Stephen Portnoy has more on what's in store for the former president and those charged along with him. Important hearings are ahead on Monday. In Atlanta, a federal judge will listen to arguments on Mark Meadows' attempt to have the charges against him moved to federal court. If Meadows prevails, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis would have to argue the case against Meadows before a broader Georgia jury pool in a separate courthouse. Here in D.C. on Monday, Judge Tanya Chutkin will hear arguments over the timing of the federal January 6th trial. Prosecutors say it should begin early next year, but Trump's attorneys say it shouldn't start until the spring of 2026. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. 
A camera clicks in a fraction of a second. The shutter opens and then closes, freezing forever the image in front of it. When the camera shutter blinked inside a jail in downtown Atlanta yesterday, it both created and documented a tiny inflection point in American life. Captured for posterity, there was a former president of the United States for the first time in history under arrest and captured in the sort of frame more commonly associated with drunk drivers. Trump's mugshot was released by the DA's office last night. Maui has released a list of verified missing people after this month's deadly wildfire. Now they're asking for help to find out if those people are alive but just haven't checked in. ABC's Alex Stone has more. It's a plea from Maui's police chief. We are asking if you're on this list, please contact the FBI. 388 verified names released publicly with the goal of helping to find people who are still alive but who are on that list. The hope is that people will see themselves on that list and can call and say they're alive. The FBI has a list of about 1,100 missing, but many are only first names. The 388 released are believed to be real and their whereabouts are unknown. 115 people are confirmed dead. Alex Stone, EBC News. A spokesperson for Russian President Vladimir Putin has denied allegations that the Kremlin was behind a plane crash that's presumed to have killed mercenary leader Yevgeny Prigozhin. His brutal fighters were feared in Ukraine, Africa, and Syria, and conducted a brief but shocking mutiny in Russia two months ago. Prigozhin was listed among those on board the private jet that went down Wednesday. He was eulogized Thursday by Putin, even as suspicions grew. The Russian leader was behind the crash that many saw as an assassination. A preliminary U.S. intelligence assessment concluded the plane was downed by an intentional explosion. Meanwhile, a phone call has taken place between President Biden and Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. More from ABC's Karen Travers. President Biden spoke with Ukraine's President Zelensky on Thursday. The White House says the president congratulated Zelensky on Ukraine's Independence Day and marked 18 months since Russia invaded Ukraine. According to a readout of their call, Mr. Biden reiterated the U.S. commitment to support Ukraine's defense against Russian aggression for as long as it takes and said the U.S. will hold Russia accountable for its actions. The two leaders also spoke about the news that some Ukrainian fighter pilots would begin to be trained on F-16 planes. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Over the years, Kremlin political critics, turncoat spies, and journalists have been killed in a variety of ways. Their deaths range from the exotic, from drinking polonium-laced tea or touching a deadly nerve agent to the more mundane, like getting shot at close range. None, however, has been known to perish in an air accident. On Wednesday, a private plane carrying Yevgeny Prigozhin, who had staged a brief rebellion in Russia, plummeted into a field from tens of thousands of feet after breaking apart. Assassination attempts against foes of President Vladimir Putin have been common during his nearly quarter of a century in power. Relatives of the victims and the few survivors have blamed Russian authorities, but the Kremlin has routinely denied any involvement. The Biden campaign is responding to some Republican candidates' more stringent views on abortion, highlighted during this week's first GOP debate. The issue has been a winning one for the left, driving out Democrats and independents alike since the fall of Roe v.ersus Wade. More from ABC's Brittany Shepard. The Biden campaign has launched a new digital ad hitting Republicans on abortion. It singles out former President Donald Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, all candidates who have advocated for more limited abortion access. The ad titled These Guys is the campaign's first post-debate spot and will run in battleground states as part of a larger $25 million ad buy. Brittany Shepard, ABC News, Washington. The continued strength of the U.S. economy could require further interest rate increases. That's according to Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell in a closely watched speech that also highlighted the uncertain nature of the economic outlook. Powell noted the economy's been growing faster than expected and that consumers have kept spending briskly, trends that could keep inflation pressures high. 
Speaking at an annual conference of central bankers in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Powell reiterated the Fed's determination to keep its benchmark rate elevated until inflation is reduced to its 2% target. He said, quote, although inflation has moved back down from its peak, a welcome development, it remains too high. And the long dry spell in parts of Texas has uncovered some historical treasures. ABC's Jim Ryan tells us about a discovery made this week in the southeast Texas River. Bill Milner has lived around the Natchez River for years and riding along on his personal watercraft. I wasn't sure what I was really seeing, but I could tell it was a very large vessel. He shot video with his phone and took it to Susan Kilcrease. It blew my mind. Of the Ice House Museum in nearby Silsby, Texas. We could tell almost immediately it's constructed of wood. Turns out the Natchez River is a graveyard of World War I transport ships built in Orange, Texas. Completed too late to be used in the conflict, many were left to deteriorate and sink in the Natchez River a hundred years ago. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.